I'm Anthony Bachman from All Things Good and Nerdy, a geeky podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Hi there! It's episode 64 of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I'm Steven, and SP is here as well. Hey, how's everybody going? This is a great week to talk about podcasting. It is actually the first week of fall. Fall started last Saturday here, and we are at the point where uh, the days are getting shorter here in the Northern Hemisphere. Like shorter, there's more night than there is day. That's what I'm trying to say. Did you like my hi there opening up the show that way? I don't know. I just felt like I needed to say hi there to everybody. Make it more personal. Yeah, we are talking to a singular individual. Odds, <laughs> odds are, odds are. So, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's going on? In your, let us know how you're doing. You know, get a hold of us and just let us know. We'd like to know. Yes, and you can check us out on all the places you get your podcasts, including Google Podcasts. Oh, my gosh. Don't <laughs> get me started. Oh, Let's come back to that in a minute, because I actually want to start off talking about the uh, the whole microphone thing. Last week you did a little bit of a change. For the listener who may just be joining us for the first time or listening for the first time in a long time, for the last couple of months, SB has been doing a bit of a, a back-to-back a, a, a test of his microphones. And uh, he he bought himself an SM7B on super clearance, and he's been dialing that in for a little while. And last week, he decided, all right, I'm going to do half the show on the SM7B, followed by half the show on the Electrovoice RE320. And we put that out there, and we asked people what, what they thought about it. And we had a conversation about loudness, and we were talking about it because it seemed louder while we were recording live. And I think that uh, when I was editing back and listening back to it, I, I realized it sounded a little bit misleading, like maybe uh, you would change settings. And and sure enough, some feedback came in. And I think there were some people who did think that there were some settings that were changed. And I just want to start off by saying in the test last week, the SM7B settings were exactly as you had dialed in over the last couple months to where you felt was was the optimal settings. And the RE320 was exactly the same settings on your side and the same settings on uh, post on my side as you previously used before you got the SM7B. So nothing had changed. It was just a uh, a difference between how the two mics felt uh, as far as loudness goes, the perceived loudness, if you if you will. And so we did not change anything out of the norm between those two microphones. Does that make All it right, more I clear? I got a little confused as you were saying things, so I don't know if you were conflating the two different microphones, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention. Probably so both. I'm going to reiterate <laughs> what I think is going on. So the Electrovoice RE320, I had dialed those in since I had gotten the Rodecaster Pro 2. Mm -hmm. It was channel one. It is set specifically for my RE320. When I got the Shure SM7B over here, not being used right now, I dialed it in over the course of a few months and that all those settings are on channel two. So the channel one settings were still there from when I was using the RE320 and the channel two settings that I used last week were the SM7B settings that I had run in. The I dialed those in. So 
What you heard was the settings that I had dialed in for both separate microphones. It wasn't like I was crossing yeah. the streams or I was uh, changing any settings. I had not changed anything. They were both dialed in as I had dialed in. Now, in post-processing, I had noticed that I had to add at least an additional 3 dB of gain for my Shure SM7B in my own podcast. Now, I don't edit for the most part. I don't edit any of the better podcasting shows Stephen does. So I can't speak for how he's been dealing with the two microphones. But I did have to add an extra 3 dB on top of what I used to add for the Electrovoice 320 in my post-processing. So even though clean gain, and there's a lot of it, and there's more gain, because the gain on the channel is set to 57 dB with the Shure SM7B, it's set to 52 on the Electrovoice 320. So there's already more gain going into the Shure SM7B, and in post, I had to add an additional three. Now, in live and in post, and you'll have to speak to what you did in post, it sounded louder. The RE320 sounded louder. And yeah, it's louder because it doesn't need as much gain. Uh, I will slightly disagree with the end thing because um, you say it doesn't need as much gain, which is true. But um, I don't think that has an effect on the perceived loudness because the way that it was posted, they were floored the same. So we, we both use a, a, a maximizing limiter called GMAX which essentially expands the, the waveform and then compresses it down is, is the way it works. That's how, how the maximizing limiter works. And I had them set it both the exact same for that episode. So they both, even though they maybe, you know, one needed more gain than the other, I think it was the perceived loudness that was the bigger difference because in the end of the, the day, the, the episode was published with both the exact same level. So whether you needed more gain on your end for one mic or the other, it doesn't matter because in the posted version, they both were um, being pushed down to the same level. And also I had dialed in the input gain, meaning how much it was increasing it before it was limited down, which is what, again, what GMAX does. Uh, so they were in the same range as you were talking. So they were, for all intents and purposes, it had a very similar effect on the end. And the episode went out where they both had the same gain level in post. It's just to me, the RE320, I think, um, pierces through more because it, uh, of its upper end level. The RE320 really, really specializes in that upper end. And I think it just cuts right through through those, um, just basically through headphones or speakers or whatever, better than the SM7B because of that upper range. Now... That's my take on it. Um, I think you sounded, as usual, I think you sounded great on both. Um, I actually, I, I have to say, I think I like the SM7B better. I think it was a little more well-rounded myself um, between the two. But, you know, there is a real good case to be said that on a, on a spoken word podcast, on something that is not covered by a bunch of different things, um, that you are trying to just get your voice through to everybody, I think there's a good case to be made. The RE320 is going to uh, cut through the noise more, you know, because because it, it did sound louder. It it did was perceived louder. And if you go back and you look at the waveform, you can see they were at the exact same ultimate levels. So they're they're both good, both good mics. Um, and we did ask people, by the way, what what people thought. And I'll just quickly say we had Damien say that uh, right now the 
SM7B, uh, he thought sounded better. Um, but he wanted, and then he was the one that mentioned about the confusion. And uh, I lost another post. We had somebody else, I think, comment as well somewhere. But uh, anyways, we'd love to know what people's thoughts are. And I think you're going to switch off from the 320 later in the episode as well on this episode, aren't you? Yeah, that's my intention. About halfway through, I'll <laughs> switch back to the other episode. But this time I'll do the 321st and then switch over the SS7B. Uh, I, I'm not going to disagree with anything you just said because it could very well be a frequency response uh, factor that you get a perceived loudness with the higher frequencies piercing through a little bit more. Um, that could be, I use GMAX a little bit differently than you do. And I do add an additional three DB for the, uh, like, like say I add six DB for the Electrovoice RE320. I would add, I started with six, but I found very quickly that I would have to add nine and some of this is perceived loudness. It's not actual loudness. It's perceived loudness. So you can always vote with your ears, mm -hmm. right? If you're mixing your own podcast and you're trying to set levels and you have, it looks like every waveform is at the same loudness, but somebody's quieter than another person that's a great time to add more gain or reduce gain on the other tracks that are a little bit louder to get everybody to the same perceived loudness as what your ears think. One of the toughest cases of that, by the way, is throwing in background music and trying to get background music heard, but yet not overpowering the voice. Mm. Say like with an intro and outro or something like that. So that's a case where even though music just tends to ride a heck of a lot louder. So you might reduce the music from its original form by like 12 dB and it's still overpowering a voice, right? I don't know if that's a frequency response of more fullness or if the music is just perceived louder than a human voice. I don't know. But that's an example where you would need, if you were mixing or editing or producing your own show, that you would vote with your ears and say, no, I need a little bit more voice and a little less music here. And you know, that that's the whole concept that we've talked about before, how different headphones, different earbuds, different speakers, different environments will uh, make different things noticeable. And so when you're trying to do that mastering, you need to know it might, it might sound different to somebody else, especially if you're using a pretty flavored pair of headphones like you're if you're using a pair of headphones that are really heavy on the bottom end because you know they're geared towards really emphasizing the, the bassy ends and you master your podcast towards that you might play it to somebody who has a more even eq'd system and it's going to sound completely different so i think the bottom line from the conversation as we started it was we thought there was a misperception from our audience and what we had said about what was going on between the microphones Basically, my settings were the same. Steven's settings were the same. So there was, we weren't accentuating one microphone over the other. That's yes. The perceived loudness of the microphones with my voice, with my setup. And right now you're using the RE320. Once again, using the Electro Voice <laughs> RE320, the same microphone that I've been using since 20, I want to say 14, might have been 15. Well, I look forward to the time that you get the RE20 in the mix. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the first time you said it. It's not the first time I said that I was going to, for the last two years, I said I was going to get a three, or, uh, RE20. 
And unfortunately, the deal for the SM7B came in. And uh, there might have been a reason for that deal, actually, we found out. Yes, exactly. We did find that out, actually. There's a new version of the SM7B out. I think it's called the sm 7 DB, <laughs> because there's some form of preamp in there. And I haven't looked into all the details, but that's that's the gist. You know, SP was just talking about how the SM7B is more gain hungry. That is a problem that's been the case over the years. That is something that uh, you do have to apply some more gain um, and you need some more clean gain. But apparently in the SM7, uh, I don't know, is it actually called the S? Oh, yeah, it is actually called the SM7DB. I didn't know if that was a joke that the article said that it comes with a built in preamp to add either 18 or 28 dB of much needed gain, according to this article. You know, one of the things that I think is uh, going to be interesting is to see what sort of preamp they put into this, because if the microphone, the SM7B, has been you know, very similar, uh, pretty much the same for many, many years, but has been acknowledged to need a good quality uh, preamp in there. Did they put a good quality preamp into here or has it changed the mechanics so much so that it's going to color the sound? That is very much a possibility if they put something in there that is is not that great or doesn't translate compared to sort of the, the, the norm of the current level of preamps that people are using. So I look forward to actually seeing some reviews on this. I look forward to seeing some reviews on how somebody who has, getting back to that mastering, mastered this SM7DB, the same sort of levels as the SM7B with a good quality preamp. How do they sound? And I'll just give you an example of this. A lot of people do use uh, things like Fetheads or cloud lifters or uh, Dynamites, and there's a variety of other uh, preamps on there. Uh, that are out there in order to add that extra gain. Like I'm using the dynamite. I think it's uh, by SE electronics, the DM one dynamite. Um, they do sound a bit different from preamp to preamp. There are, there are differences and some of them do color the sound more. So I am really intrigued to hear the shout outs, not intrigued enough to consider even buying this, but um, it is, it is going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down. And we saw that before with some of the USB microphones out there before where there was a USB version of a microphone and it sounded very different than something that was XLR or, you know, a dual purpose microphone. The XLR uh, output sounded different than the USB. And so I am really interested to hear this once people start putting the reviews out there. Right. And you don't have to have a $500 microphone to podcast. There are plenty of microphones that are less expensive. In the $100 range, you have the Rode PodMic. And in the sub $100 range, there's Samsung Kichu, the Audio-Technica ATR2100X, two great microphones each that will get anybody on their way. You can start a podcast. You can sound pretty professional with both of those. You can impress your friends on Zoom by using both of those too. If you're streaming, if you're gaming, you can impress your friends if you're using one of those microphones. It might not look like a lot because you're thinking, oh, I need this big, fancy, you know, broadcast dynamic microphone. Well, no, no. One of those microphones should do you just fine to start out with. And then if you're serious about continuing your hobby, you can fool around with different microphones and and find one that fits you. I know our third 
co-host, right? Damien. He's <laughs> really uh, enjoying the Zoom ZDM1 microphone. And he has five of those for his D&D podcast. He's really enjoying those. And you can get a podcast mix pack with those, including the headphones and stand for like 80 bucks. And they're, they, they look like good microphones too. Are they on the bottom end of good microphones? Yes, but they're still good microphones. One thing I just want to throw in about the SM7DB is that in order to get that preamp uh, you, uh, activated, you will need an interface that supplies phantom power because that's how it, it operates. There is a bypass mode apparently on it where you can just skip it and use it like a regular uh, SM7B where you got to apply the gain and everything. But if you want to be able to uh, use that uh, preamp in there, you will need to be able to supply phantom power. That's actually how those mic activators or those inline preamps all work is they supply, you have to supply phantom power to it. And there's a, a couple things to know about that. Obviously, you're going to need to have the right audio interface and you need to consider what else equipment are you going to have on there and and is your board one that you can individual channel supply phantom power or is it going to try to put it all out to all of them and and you need to be if if that's going to be the case you need to be aware of uh if your other equipment is going to not use that phantom power and be smart enough to to um not fry itself if you're supplying phantom power to multiple channels on there or is it like the Rodecaster Pro where you can just go and you can go to one channel and say, yes, just that one has phantom power. So just be aware of that. And also, uh, I've personally encountered experiences before where phantom power has has enhanced um, inline uh, noise like buzzes and, and things like that, where it, it's made the, the problems compounded. And I've I, I'd never looked into the reason behind it. I've just assumed it's been something like a uh, bad cable that's being amplified by that or you know the, the the mixer itself was sending phantom power some way that was causing issues but you know it's an extra thing that's now happening in in your system um i am using phantom power right now for the the se uh sm7 i can't speak the i'm looking at it right now the sedm1 dynamite preamp uh that does require phantom power that power doesn't translate to the microphone. That's just in the preamp exactly. of, of, of the dynamite itself. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of techie talk. We're going to get to <laughs> something a little less techie, although it is still techie. We're going to talk about Google Podcasts because that was big news that just dropped. And um, not, I mean, we all saw it coming eventually. Uh, from what I've seen is the head of, or the person that started Google Podcasts actually left Google, I believe last year. Maybe it was 21, but I thought it was 22. So kind of the writing was on the wall. We've had issues with it for multiple of our shows and just trying to get them updated. There for a while had been issues with people producing their episodes, publishing their episodes and Google Podcasts not picking it up for 48, 72 hours, something like that. I think most of that has been shored up, but Right when they get it shored up, that's when they drop the announcement. Is like, in 2024, we will no longer have Google Podcasts. So firstly, we lose Stitcher this year, and now we've lose Google Podcasts next year. Both are targeting, although not exclusive with Google Podcasts, targeting, actually with both, targeting Android users. There was an iOS app for, for at least Stitcher, and then you can get to Google Podcasts using a browser on any mobile device. So you have the the, t the Android space getting smaller and smaller with 
listening apps, basically. Google Podcast was, you know, respectively number three in terms of consumption. You had Apple, which was somewhere between 60 and 70%. It depends on the month, depends on exactly what you count, but somewhere in there between 60 and 70%. Then you have Spotify, which is somewhere between 15 and 25%. Again, it depends month to month, and it depends on who's reporting the stats, that sort of stuff. And then you had Google Podcasts, which was somewhere between 1% and 5%, really. It depends, again, on the month that you're talking about and whatever. And I've seen trends that have gone down of people using Google Podcasts. But one of the benefits of using Google Podcasts, was it was in the Google SEO. So if you were searching for a term that was in your podcast, it would actually show up in the search results and a player would appear and that would take you to the Google podcast versions. It was very, very difficult. It was a podcast, quote unquote, app that wasn't an app. It was literally crawling. It was using the Google search and it was crawling for RSS feeds and it would find one and then it would index it. And then bingo, that is your feed. And then even though if you had your feed, if you submitted it to Google Podcasts, it might choose another one. Like if you if you had a redirect somewhere or you had a hosting on a website, it would just pick up and and go away from the one that you had chosen and, and into another one. And then, like I said, the the delay in actually being able to listen podcasts as they were produced. So I'm not surprised it's going away. Uh, Steven, you can talk about that. And then I want to talk about what their future plans are. And we've already kind of talked about that, but I want to explore that a little bit more tonight. Yeah, I think that Google Podcasts, I think they Googled it too much. And, and what I mean by that is they they thought they knew better than the people using it. And they they do this all the time with things. Like you look at... Google Plus. They're like, you know what? We think that we we're we're gonna do a different social media experience because we think that it's the right thing, but we'll we'll ignore all the other social media out there that's working. And then it, it just was like nobody wanted to be there. And Google Podcast from the beginning did this. It, it started as a streaming only service and tried to make the case you only need to stream. And this was at a time in like 2018, I think it was, when a lot of people still were really counting their data on, on their phone. And they're like, no, I want to be able to download it. And it became a big problem. And eventually they added it. But by then they lost a lot of people. Same thing with this whole RSS feed thing. I have been fighting. You mentioned last week, the Guinea Geek show. You mentioned that it was broken on there. Totally forgot until I went to, to submit a ticket. I already tried to fix it once and hit a wall with them. And now I've got a response back this week. And I'm I'm hitting a similar wall. And it's like, no, I that's not the URL I, I submitted. I submitted the proper gonna geek show RSS feed there. And they've gone and they've decided that the author account on uh, for my user on the gonna geek WordPress page is actually the RSS to use. And it's very frustrating because it actually, when you go into the Google Podcast Manager, it tells you right there that it's being served from a different RSS feed now. And then wants me to verify it. Well, I can't verify it because the RSS feed for WordPress doesn't have the information they want because it's not meant for podcasting. So I have to go and I'd have to break manually the, the feed um, 
in WordPress and able to, to be able to verify it, to be able to take it back. So it's like, you don't know better than me about which RSS feed is supposed to be the Gunna Geek Show. And we actually, before this announcement, based off the comments we had last week in the show, we had people who were commenting about Google Podcasts. For example, Yakko said, Google Podcasts is a horrible experience for the podcaster. It's aggressively bad with the way they handle feeds. Anthony from Capes on the Couch said, that's what I use to listen to shows. I've never noticed any issues. Is it really that bad? And then Scatmaker came in and responded and said, I've had weirdness from feeds disappearing temporarily uh, to being randomly unsubscribed to details of the show being replaced by uh, an entry of something that appears to be auto-generated when they reappear to getting duplicate feeds of the same show and episodes. We're not alone on this. There's been so many bad things with it. Like, honestly, I'm a I'm a big Google user. I use Google products. I, I have an Android phone. I am so glad to see this gone. And I honestly hope when we get to talking about the future of it, I hope it fails because I, I am done with Google having their take on podcasting. They they keep taking a step back after step back after step back. And I just think we're in a situation where more and more people are, are relying on things they use for music like Spotify and whatnot. And so, you know what? Unless they're going to go and they're going to say, all right, we know we're wrong. We, we know that the majority of people who are using podcasting or, or, or using podcast clients are using ones that in most of the way mimic what Apple set up as, as you know, the starter of all this. And we're going to follow suit and we're going to follow the management the same way that that everybody else does. Unless they do that, I, I just would like them to leave the space because this has been a disaster and I left Google Podcasts forever ago as my main podcast uh, client. And it's I, I'm happy to see this go away. And hey, if you want to see my first, by the way, if you want to see my first impressions back when I wrote them in 2018, you can go to uh, www.geeks.link slash Google Podcasts or go to uh, betterpodcasting.com and I'll have it in the show notes there. But you can see what my first thoughts were the first uh, day that I had tried Google Podcasts way back in 2018. Full disclaimer, I do not use Google Podcasts for my main app. I do use it, but I don't use it for my name, main app. I do have an Apple phone, and on iOS, I use Overcast to listen. I don't use the Apple app either. But on Google Podcasts, I do use it at work. And it's one of the few apps that I can go ahead and, and use at work. And I don't use it that much. I don't listen to podcasts at work as much as I used to, but I, I still do. And I, even before the announcement, I was honing my subscriptions on Apple Podcasts. So I had the shows that I wanted to watch or listen to, not watch, listen to at work. So I do have some routine experience with it at work. As a reminder to everybody, I can't have my phone at my work building. I can't have it in my... um in at my desk so that's why i have to use my computer google podcast seemed like a good fit i can also now get to spotify so i'll probably transition to listening over at spotify might try a few different places but spotify is it all right steven you wanted to transition into the newer stuff so let's go ahead and do that podcasting for google is moving to youtube music I don't feel good about this at all. I don't feel good about it for several reasons. One of which is everything that Google's tried with podcasting so far has failed. 
So it's like, okay, so we're trying this new thing with Google. It's just going to fail too. We might have to wait another six years because I believe Google Podcasts came out in, in 2016, 2017, 2018, 2017 or 2018, something like that, right? Yeah. So that, that was five or six years of, of a run. 2018. So, I wrote this apparently on June 19th, 2018. So we're going to have to wait another five or six years before the whole thing happens. So yeah, I'm not really looking for that. Yeah. And uh, do we know if YouTube music even is doing well? I don't. I tried to get to it to see if I could submit a podcast and Today, I did a search and all I could get is, okay, on YouTube, you submit your playlist as a podcast. I don't know if that's changed. I heard that they would actually have RSS feeds, but I haven't seen a way to do it. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right place. Well, and I'm just talking about YouTube music in general, like the service. Like, I, 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 I don't, don't know it, what their so. market share is. And that's what I'm curious about. Um, uh, if it's having troubles making ground now we're throwing podcasts in there like this is one of the reasons why i'm just so done with google's approach and after this was all announced um there's a bunch of chat in our discord about it uh damien the dm did bring up the point that uh it's he said quote it's killing what little hope there was for an android equivalent to apple podcast though end quote and uh, just as a response, Anthony Capes on the couch said, I don't think there ever was uh, realistically going to be an Android equivalent, though. The Android ecosystem is segmented by design. That's the allure of it. Apple is walled garden because it assumes its user. I'll leave it at that, actually. Uh, and anyways, um, I should have read ahead. But um, I think that uh, there, there's actually merit in what Damien was saying. Was, and, and that was one of the things I think we were excited about at the time. If someone gets an uh, Android phone, get a Pixel, right there, boom. They've got an app for podcasting. But I think that podcasting has changed so much and the awareness is so much different than even where it was in 2018. I don't know that's as much of a, a, an issue anymore. I think you're probably more likely have people going, I want to get a podcast where I get my music. And I guess if there is a reasonable amount of people on YouTube music, which my initial Google search is here, which I should have prepared for better, but I've been sick the last two days, so I didn't. Uh, my my initial search is that there's not a huge market share um, on YouTube music. I, I think people are more likely to look wherever they are getting their music. But that's my speculation. I could be wrong. Again, I think there's mass confusion. Do I put my podcast on YouTube and then label it as a playlist? Do I submit it directly to YouTube music? I, I don't know how they're operating. And if I'm supposed to submit it directly to YouTube music, if I have originally put it on a playlist over on YouTube, is that going to be a detriment? Are we going to run into the same sort of stuff that we ran in with Google Podcasts where they don't know which feed to point to? It's very frustrating. 100%. So we'll see what happens. This continues to be the Google merry-go-round of podcasting services. We'll see whichever one they come up with after this all fails. I'm sure it'll be another one in another five years, like you said. Yeah, so it's 2023. Five years from now, it's 2028. We'll see what Google's doing with podcast or Alphabet. Let's, <laughs> let's expand it to Alphabet. We'll oh, yeah. see what Al Alphabet is doing with podcasts in 2028. 
I think the last one they had, which was Google Play Music Podcasts, I think was a yeah. better experience, to be honest. It was, but absolutely nobody was using that. No, no. <laughs> That's because they decided to keep using the branding Google Play. Uh, in our chat, in our Discord, some of the comments that we had there, uh, once this was posted, we had Damien the DM say for the third time. Chris Farrell said, shocking, right? <laughs> Uh, we also had uh, SP Rupert. I don't know who this guy is, but SP Rupert said, YouTube music will fare no better. Mark my words to which we co widow said words are marked. Your yeah, words Mark have been marked. Be was busy that day. Mark was very busy. Scatmaker said, uh, Ugh, I dislike YouTube music. And, okay, well, that's somebody with experience. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there was some chatter back and forth about other podcast players. And uh, Chris Farrell says he uses Pocket Cast. Waffle says he's very happy with Podcast Republic now. And he said that he had actually requested a feature be added. And they added it within a week. And Yakko said, I still use iCatcher exclamation point on iOS. I think I have since it was released. It's so old. There's a quote. Leo skip end quote gesture you can do just by making an L and it'll skip two minutes named as such because of someone's long post read ads. This is again called a Leo skip gesture. <laughs> well, if anybody's still listening to podcasts on a Zoom device, you have won the internet today. So just, you know, out yourself and uh, congratulations to you for hanging on. Uh, there are much better podcasting, listening experiences out there, by the way. But hey, if you're into the old timey classic feel, go for the Zune. And just again, as a recap, you have marked your words and we cow it said words are marked. In our <laughs> yeah. chat, by the way, we have we co widow saying clap, clap, clap. Wow, you said it right today because I always like to say his name wrong. So there you go. That was for you. And now he's right. calling me a jerk. <laughs> well, I deserved I mean, it. Welcome to the party. Yeah. All right. Uh, we I had a question last time. I don't think we got a chance to ask it. And it was about how you would prefer to record your podcast. I know we have had a, a lot of microphone talk today. But this is in just pure setup. A lot of our style of podcasts that we do are still steeped in the kind of studio, you need a microphone. I mean, we've been out with interview microphones before, but they're dynamic interview microphones. And it's just the, you know, the old style reporter feel. So it's kind of like a radio station-esque microphone situation. Well, more and more people as we transition to video shows are saying, I think it's easier or it's more visually appealing to use a lavalier microphone. And for those that don't know, it's the little clip-on microphone that would go on a shirt that you kind of see on news reports or uh, maybe some video documentaries or stuff like that. And odds are, if you're watching a TV show, specifically like a, a reality show or whatever, they'll be mic'd with a, a lavalier mic with a little pack on their back or something like that. Well, my question, and this is this is a question for you if you're listening to this, and it's also a question for Stephen. I think I know Stephen's answer, but would you use a lavalier microphone on a podcast? 
Generally, my answer is no. My answer is no because they're condenser omnidirectional microphones for the most part. They pick up a lot of room noise. And if you have two people talking back and forth, you're going to end up with a lot of bleed. And there's very little that you can actually do with that unless you're gating something out pretty hard. And I don't think it's a very natural rendition of a voice either. But those are my opinions. And I have used lavalier microphones from time to time. We have used them when we've done video gear segments. Uh, I, I haven't actively used one on a podcast yet, but I have used them before. So, Stephen, that's the question I'll throw out to you. And maybe you just want to kick it to our listeners. But the question is, would you use a lavalier microphone re- while you're recording a podcast? If I had multiple people in the room, I would really have a hard time with that because the crosstalk is going to be real. And um, for that matter, unless I was spending a lot of time dialing it in in a in a single situation, I probably would feel the same. And, you know, one of the, the things that I think is important to remember is the systems that people are listening to podcasts is some people are listening in their car in a, in a system that they've got things turned up. Some people are listening with headphones. And one of the things that I've I've noticed in various productions, and I'll go back to my you know run, season running theme of Conan O'Brien. Um, when you have audio that is is made for TV, you look at it and you're like, you know what, that sounds fine. I, I'm watching it on TV, looks good, seems fine. But as soon as it's put into an area where you lose the one sense, the visual sense, and you're listening to it, you start to notice things different. At least I do. And so for me, like, you know, if I'm listening to that Conan O'Brien station and they're doing some clips of sometimes they'll do clips back to back of uh, short clips of different interviews that he's done. You'll hear interviews that are done on on his old late night show where they are using lab mics. And and it doesn't sound very good, especially when it's right back to back with something that is done with proper podcasting or, or, you know, dynamic microphone gear. There is a noticeable difference between the two. And sometimes you start to see that crosstalk. This is the same thing where sometimes I'll occasionally I'll throw on um, something when I'm working for background noise. And sometimes I'll actually go and I'll throw on um, something that is is meant to be consumed on TV, like some form of, of station, um, you know, maybe lunch hour news or whatever. And and when I'm doing that, I start to notice all these different things in there while I'm listening to it that I would never, ever... Uh, notice if I was watching it actually on TV. And I think it's just because I'm more focused on that one sense. I've, I've lost the, the visual aspect of it. So I think that these sort of things are relevant to consider that the majority of your podcast, the majority of your consumers are likely going to be listening to it only unless you are doing a show that is, you know, is mostly going to be just on YouTube. That's a different situation where, you know, for sure, most of your people are going to be watching, but for the average hobby podcaster, I think they're going to be mostly listening. So they might start to pick up some of these things. And lav mics are not forgiving. Unfortunately, they're not because they're clipped on you. They'll wrestle. They'll, they're uh, picking up more stuff around as far as outside noises. So, yeah, I get the appeal to it. But um, I think you're making your life more difficult in that case. Never say never. But for me, that's my sort of take on it. Yeah, that's my take too. I mean, a lot of people just think it's easy, right? And for those that are not watching live, I have transitioned to the Shure SM7B and will be on this microphone for the remainder of the show. 
So I think people are just thinking it's easy and then they can hide the microphone for the camera. It won't be in your face or anything like that. So I think that's the predominant reason why people like doing it. And they think they are watching these interviews, as you were saying, and like, oh, I can do this. So I, as a podcast expert, so to speak, for hobbyists, like, yeah, you can do that. I mean, the most important thing about doing a hobby podcast is having fun. Anything beyond that is just an improvement. And that's why we call this show Better Podcasting. So if you're having fun, great. If you want to start improving your show, and if you're recording on lavalier microphones, I don't think it's really great. I think it's situational. I think if you're doing a panel at a convention and you want to record your own stuff, yeah, go for it. I mean, wireless lavalier microphones are getting more and more popular. So you can do that. They might interfere with the venue's RF spectrum. So you might have some interference with that. But I think it's possible to do it, especially if you use like the Zoom. I believe it was the F1 where it just goes into it's not a wireless one. It, it actually records on your belt. It's a little bit more expensive. But, you know, if you want to hide the microphone and you still want a recording, maybe that's a way to do it. Um, but if you're doing it episode after episode after episode, you might get a reduction in listenership because you're not sounding as good as maybe another podcast can. And again, it goes back to your content. If your content is engaging and funny or people are getting a lot out of it, then it doesn't really matter what you sound like as long as you're listenable. But the, the reverb absolutely gets to me and the less capturing of the voice gets to me over time. Anyway, that's, that's just my thoughts on lavalier and, um, podcasts, but I would like to hear from our listener if they would ever consider using a lavalier or if you have, what has been your experience? I'm not close-minded enough to say my way or the highway. I, I do want to hear alternative views. So if you would have a story about that, maybe, uh, podcast link that I could go to and listen to real quick. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that and check it out. Uh, Steven, you had a couple of things that you wanted to talk about tonight. I absolutely did. Uh, well, actually, we've already talked about one of them was the Google podcast thing. I've already ranted about that enough. Um, but the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, last week, I talked about the green screen change that I had done um, the way I'd changed things. And uh, I, I definitely noticed back when I was uh, going through editing the video last week that I had uh, more of a color range um, because I, uh, with the different green material, the uh, slightly brighter, uh, the chroma key definitely worked a little bit better um, with the settings I was able to adjust. And I noticed that across my frame, definitely some things were washed out a lot less. So uh, pretty happy with that, with that change. And I just wanted to comment that, you know, it, it wasn't meant to do that when I ended up uh, making the change in my studio. However, uh, it was a nice benefit. So there we go. So by talking about your green screen, you actually inspired me to make a change in my did studio. I? Did I? You, uh, you did. Is it that your uh, Roadcaster 2 box behind you is one inch to the left now? Actually, it might be <laughs> one inch to the left. Uh, yeah, I might, I might have had to change its orientation, but really what we're talking about, and I will probably have to go into my camera settings to go out a little bit. So if you're watching me on YouTube, I have made a slight studio change and it's really due to light intrusion. 
uh, behind me, and there's no, the way my studio is configured, it's never going to be a huge professional studio. I am going to be a hobby podcaster in my home studio until I win the lottery and are able to get three total podcast studios in my mansion on my island in the Caribbean, which Stephen, you and your family are welcome to whenever. Oh, fantastic. And you can come on my private jet. I will just send it. Matter of fact, I might just give you a private jet so you can take it back and forth all the time. Perfect. So until then, I am stuck in here. And what I was noticing, especially in the summer months, because the days are longer, is I was getting a halo around my head, light intrusion. It, there was just no way for the camera. And it's a webcam, granted, uh, a uh, Logitech Brio. But I don't even think a regular camera with a nice lens on it would have been able to differentiate the light either. So I thought, you know, I should do something about this. And I don't know why, but it was all the time from when I took the curtain down from behind me. I think that was 2018 or 2019, right? I took the curtain down behind me. Uh, it was a photo drop. I still have the photo drop, but I took it down. And I just had this light source behind me. And not the good light source kind, not not the three-point lighting kind. This is, I am backlighting you. And even though I had pretty good, uh, a, not shades, but um, uh, shutters, blinds, even though I had pretty good blinds on the window, there's still some light intrusion. So it wasn't until last week until I was like, you know what? You need to get some blackout curtains. So they're actually black. You can get them in different colors. There's just heavy curtains that don't allow light through them. I actually got some black blackout curtains and I put it back there and they've worked pretty good so far. I haven't had even in the Legends of Shield recording, which I do in the middle of the day, I haven't had like light coming back at me. I've only used it for a handful of recordings so far. Basically everything that I've done since our last recording, because they came the next day, I have put them all, all the recordings. I've used the blackout curtains and I think it's, I think it's pretty good. Now, is it optimal visually for the studio probably not in terms of like studio layout and stuff like that uh definitely could clean some stuff up around here and maybe get a, a cleaner view again i'm not sure how i can do that given the constraints that i have because this is like a dual or triple use space but the blackout curtains are great. So, Stephen, you've been using basically a blackout curtain forever. I mean, it's kind of right behind you right now. Yeah. And you've had good luck with it. And I don't know why I didn't think of it. And you never recommended it to me either. I'm not blaming you, but it's it's just like I've gone all these years and it's never been a, oh, duh, you should put blackout curtains behind you. Well, you know why I never said anything? Because you commented about how you had this sort of halo behind you. And and that's just how I like to see you, SP, is with a halo behind you. I see the, the haloed SP. Well, uh, SP isn't haloed anymore. It's after dark SP. So oh. beware. B All right. Watch out. Yeah. Uh, in our total chat, shift. <laughs> in our chat, we had uh, Wiko Widow say, I uh, need to get the logos printed on the curtains. And after you say it's after dark, maybe you need to get yourself a little LED lighting up there that you can uh, you can uh, illuminate it. I was thinking about that, and I'm not sure. So you're on the tighter view. I use a tighter and a wider view. Right. Generally, it's the tighter view. And I'm not sure if that would be effective. Like I was thinking of directional LEDs running through the side of the curtains on both sides up yeah. and down so that they would, you know, uh, emanate some light. 
But the way my my studio is, I'm not even sure it would be that effective. Yeah, it'd be hard to say until you got it, especially because, you know, you and I a while back, years ago, were screwing around with some uh, LED lighting on the backdrop of mine. And I was sending you some pictures back and forth. And uh, we, we kept running into issues where it just wasn't wasn't strong enough. It wasn't prominent enough. But uh, yeah, so I, I would be curious. However, uh, the logo thing could work. Yeah, well, I mean, it you might just, work. You, you know what but, you have to do, though? You'd, you'd have to have multiple sides so that you could, you know, switch it around when you're on different shows. Yeah, I could do that. See, this gets back <laughs> to the, you know, the the banners that I used to have for the Guinea Geek Network. I could put a, a banner back then, but then my head is like, in normal a normal shot, my head would cover it most of the time. I just... I, I think if it's in front of me, it's better than behind me. Or maybe you could just uh, not do any of that and leave him block. <laughs> just, well, that's just kind of what I was thinking. Just <sighs> I, leaving it that way. No, or maybe changing the color of the curtains. I could get like a blue one for the Guinea Geek show. <laughs> I could get a gray one for the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. So there, there are different things that I could do. I think it looks good. I do. All jokes aside, I think it, it looks, um, I don't know. There's something about it that just, maybe it's because now your head is in front of just this, this, this black curtain that it makes you pop out more. Like, I don't know. Something about it looks really good. I, oh, I was just going to say, so you want to see less SP. So. No, no, it's making you more prominent SP. And I, and I, I like my SP prominent. Okay, well, there you go. I think it's going to be like this for a while, and I, I'm open to suggestions. So if you're watching on YouTube, you have a suggestion on what I could do without radical changes to the studio, let me know, and I might look into it. Like, I, I'm not moving any of the furniture. Uh, books are staying where they are for now. You know what you All should the do? gear is going to be staying there, yeah? You should uh, take that H8 box, and uh, you should... Um toss it <laughs> i was gonna say print some uh little fake fire on it so that it looks like it's on fire because that's how you what you want to do with it yeah the only reason it's around by the way is if i go to a con and i want to record with seven of my favorite friends more than five right with the h6 that's the one i would have to use and i do believe that it comes with, and I don't have it, a capsule with a total of four additional uh, XLR inputs. So I could have up to 10 people, so nine, including myself. I don't know if I'd want to edit that, but I could record everybody. Well, you could also just record eight different channels of yourself. Or myself on different microphones, like yes. the entire recording. Yes. Yeah, that's always fun to edit. Which we never actually announced out here when you switched over to the SM7B, but you're I on did. the SM7B said, now. Did you? I, I announced it. I oh, said okay. I'm on the 7B. I, I, yeah, I, you weren't paying attention. This is Stephen uh, Cloudbrain not paying attention. I'm not blaming it. I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to blame you. I've been sick. I was probably off hacking. You up still are lot, sick. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, uh, no problem. In our chat, we had a couple of people. Uh, you're getting called out, said they could use some ironing. That was Wico Widow, said for the wider shots, they could use a bit of ironing. Yeah, but it's supposed to be bunched. That's what uh. it's, it's not supposed to be straight. It's supposed to be bunched. Uh, and Universe 25 said uh, fire is always an improvement. As a rocket scientist, I see no fault in that statement. And Liberty Dude said uh, we call those seven magical creatures now. 
dwarfs? Did I say something about dwarfs? I don't. I don't. I, I don't know what you said. I Liberty, no dude. Idea. I'm sorry. You lost me a little <laughs> bit there. What, what am I supposed to? I, I'm trying to be PC. So please teach me. What am I supposed to be calling seven magical creatures right now? I, I don't know. I'm. I'm confused. Uh, but I had nothing else to throw in this week other than if you want to head over to our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com forward slash Discord. We had John S. Badger say better late than never. And he posted a picture of his co- better podcasting coffee mug along with some Kahlua. But I didn't actually uh, load it up in the in the show. So sorry, video viewers. Yeah, we also I didn't I don't think I I'm just saying like we have no way of knowing if the clue is actually in the cup. I don't think it is. You bring up a good point. You're calling them out right now. <laughs> I can't see. It's very dark. The inside of the better podcasting mug and I have a, it's he's not doing a trick. It's it's dark. It's that's what I, that's it's a good mug. So if it's dirty just a little bit, you can't see it. It's, it's dark <laughs> in the middle. Um, I have nothing else, SP. I, I think we have finally, for once, exhausted our document. Oh, wait, we've no, come, we didn't. You had one more thing. There's other things, but you know what? We've come to the end of the podcast. That's fine with me. There's a couple of things that we can we can shelve for another week. There were a couple of, of news stories that are parallel to hobby podcasts, but not directly affecting them. So we can talk about them in the future. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take take a moment here to to backtrack what I just said about exhausting the document because I do want you to bring up your Patreon experience before we go. I think this is something worth discussing with with everybody. Your your Patreon experience where you were subscribed to a Patreon and they provided you a certain type of episode down the feed. Yeah, um, I will omit uh, specifics because I really don't want to call. I don't think this warrants calling somebody out publicly uh, to the point where it might detriment their their base or whatever. But I am subscribed to a daily podcast that on the weekends will throw an additional bonus episode in there. And from time to time, they change it up because the shows either are working and get they get their own space where they're not working and they just get replaced with something else. And this was a case where they were working on a collaboration with a, another creator and they wanted to spotlight this other creator. So they threw that in the feed. And unfortunately, uh, it, w- it wasn't an hour long episode. It was like 20 some minutes. I want to say 22 minutes or 26 minutes. I think it was 26 minutes. And then about 22 minutes into the episode came out the disclaimer of affiliation. Yes, I am a venture capitalist investor in so-and-so. 22 minutes into a 26 minute episode that negated every, it was a subject that I was interested in and I was engaged. But when they got to the point where they said, I am affiliated, I was not too happy that that made me shut it off immediately. It made me delete it immediately from my feed. I am paying it's a small fee, but I'm paying a fee to get this special feed. And basically you just threw a 26 minute advertisement at me from another creator, not you, but another creator. I mean, even if it was them, I'd be a little bit, but I think this feed would have disclaimed it earlier. Uh, And then I I decided whether or not I was going to drop my Patreon experience. I was like, nah, this is a one-off. I am, I'm going to stay a Patreon 
a supporter of this work. And then I debated about it for a couple of days. And I was like, nope, nope, I'm going to message them and tell them what I feel about this. And one of the reasons why I did that is because another creator on something else that I support uh, went to a situation where they started pre-charging. So they had their Patreon set up where I send out a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever, and then you pay me for that. And if I do about 10 of them, then you pay me more. Now you can limit the total amount of creations. Like if you're an artist, if you throw a hundred pieces of art out there over the course of a month, then you can limit it to, I'll I'll pay you 10 bucks for the first three or, or whatever it is sort of thing. Instead of paying uh, $3,000, I'm just paying $30, right? Uh, so I had an experience where the creator started pre-charging and saying, well, I, I didn't make my my quota. I had some family stuff come on this month, so I'm just going to pre-charge and I'll catch it up next month. And then it kept on going and going and going and going. And, got, and, and this is not what the story is about. This is my motivation for speaking up. It got to the point a year and a half in and the individual was like five months behind. I was like, no, th- this is not good. And I spoke up at that point, but I, it taught me to speak up to a creator earlier rather than later. So within the week that I had listened to this uh, disclosed affiliation episode, I messaged the creator and I said, so just to let you know, I didn't appreciate getting this uh, affiliate disclosure almost at the end of the podcast. They said, this almost made me drop the feed, which I had been supporting for years. I said, this almost made me drop the feed. And I said, uh, just so you know, I'm, I'm just letting it out because if I don't say anything, I'm it's going to fester within me and uh, I'm not quitting I'm going to continue on and I just want to let you know how this affected me because it might have affected somebody else similarly. And the response I got back was conciliatory, but not apologetic, if that makes any sense. There was a, okay, well, I understand what you're going through and thank you very much for telling me. And um, I, I can see how you took it that way, but I know this creator and that creator would not try to snow anybody over. And I have a different opinion about the creator. I'm like, okay, so what you've just told me is you're okay with this. As long as it's one of your friends or somebody that, you know, or maybe a business partner or whatever, you're okay with that sort of thing. And I'm not, I am, I'm big on, uh, disclosing, I have been big on disclosing on a variety of things. The Roadcaster Pro 2 was an example, or the, uh, excuse me, the original Roadcaster, when Rode sent it out to a lot of people and some people didn't disclose that they got to keep it for a long time. Uh, I thought that that was in poor taste and may have led to erroneous reviews on the preamps that weren't as good, uh, for instance. And... I I'm not okay with the non-disclosure of affiliation for a variety of different things. I mean, if you're affiliated, if you're getting money from something, or if you're promoting something, I, I, I need to know about that. I, I want to know about that. And to be subjected to this within a Patreon feed that I pay for, maybe 
other people are desensitized from that because they pay for cable or YouTube TV or whatever, and they see advertisements and say, well, I pay for it, and I still get advertised. Well, like, that's not exactly what Patreon was set up for. Patreon was set up for, give me something, I'm giving you something because I think there's value of it, and you're going to give me something in response to that, and you won't give me an ad-laden experience, basically. That it's a different expectation with Patreon, in my opinion. So anyway, uh, it just ended there. I'm not going to take it further. I don't think the creator is going to take it any further. I don't know if the creator has done it again or not. I haven't had a chance to catch up over the last couple of weeks, but uh, I'll be on the, the lookout. And if it happens again, I will drop my support of that Patreon account. I think expectations is a big thing to me. Like, you know, um, whether it's legally right or morally right or whatever you want to say, if you have created the expectations of something and i think that there's like you said an expectation with the patreon that it's not going to be that way um i think they broke the you know they they broke trust to a, de to a degree there i think and so um i think it's uh good on you for giving them the benefit of the doubt and maybe they'll learn and not do things going forward but there is the disclosure thing as well and if it wasn't clear up front i think that's that's a problem a separate problem that is related. Yeah. And universe 25 is bringing up in the chat. Patreon does have a monthly versus episode charging, depending on the creator. Absolutely. Uh, the experience that I had with the pre-charging was brought about because the person, and, and I believe that some of this is speculation. I believe the person is grandfathered under the uh, lesser fees for Patreon and doesn't want to change from the by creation to monthly subscription. And so they've just chosen to pre-charge instead of switching their, uh, their model on Patreon. There's two different models that you can do as universe 25 pointed out. And, uh, so in that case, yeah, in the other case where I had to reach out to the creator and, uh, and, and comment that the, uh, affiliation wasn't too good. That is a monthly basis. It's not by creation basis. I mean, it's a daily podcast. So if, if I was, you know, supporting by creation, that's at least 20 different creations. So even if I was doing $1 per creation, that's at least $20 a month. And it just gets more expensive from there. It's like, I think this is worth $5 an episode. So five times 20, it's $100 a month. And some people do give their uh, Patreon uh, creators that much money. Uh, I, I tend to go a little bit lower and spread out the wealth a little bit more. So I'm, I'm not going to do all that much for one creator. And uh, disclose sooner than later. That's my my general suggestion. And on that note, you know, at the end of the episode, we'll disclose that this episode is sponsored by SP's Blackout Curtains. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I paid for those out of my own pocket. <laughs> I don't think there's a piece of gear in here that I haven't paid for. Uh, I've been gifted a few things over the years, but uh, none of my main gear have I been gifted. It's been smaller things over time. And I've gotten smaller things as gifts for uh, doing Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., like like different mementos or stuff like that. Uh, from a co-host on Voices of Defiance, I got a, a Defiance Lockkeeper badge. So just small little trinkets, nothing big like a $500 microphone or anything like that. Well, thanks for sharing that story, and we would love to know what your thoughts are. You can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com, or you can go ahead and find us over on our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can also find all of our socials at betterpodcasting.com slash contact. 
But that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for episode 64 of Better Podcasting Live Chat. I'm Steven saying I'm sick. I'm sorry I missed when you said that you switched to the SM7B. That's my fault. Oh, I've been on the uh, Electro Voice RE320 the entire episode. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm on the SM7B when I said I switched. See everybody next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.